0: Now, From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins.
1: Welcome to the Cheap Seats, everybody. I'm Chris DeLambert. Brandon Atkins is here. Trent Nichols holding it down. And DJ Schlepprock on the wheels of steel. Uh, big night in the NBA last night, guys. Oh, Yeah. It's um, up
2: until the third quarter, it was a great game. <laughs> so is the series over? Oh man, you know where I stand on this. Um, I guess I'll have to change my prediction from Cleveland in five now because I just don't think the math works out on that. <laughs> um, I don't think the series is over. I think a couple of things have to happen. We can cover those as we go. Um, but just the the addition of Kevin Durant we all knew was big, but it is slap you in the face huge, the difference he makes to this team.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to hear the respect that the Cavalier players use when they talk about this team now with KD. And I have to be honest, you and I went back and forth a lot going into the playoffs as to how smooth the transition was going to be. You know, When it came to crunch time, was Durant going to be familiar enough with the offense? Were they going to feel good? And part of that was because of what we saw with Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. When he was added to that Cavalier team, you know, we assumed, well, LeBron's going to come in here and do his thing. Dude, KD, I'm almost willing to say at this point already one year in, that's KD's Golden State team and and not Curry's. It,
2: it is his team. It is his team. And, you know, for Cleveland to get back in the series, they're going to have to play tougher Uh, LeBron James played his heart out, but I mean tougher, like put some bodies on bodies. When the only – the person who's come out and tried to punk KD and her name is Rihanna (laughs) and she doesn't have a Cleveland uniform on, if Rihanna is your muscle person, you're in trouble. You need to at least – I'm not saying play dirty, but you need to put a body out – on Steph Curry, at least let don't let him get to the hole. Dude had a triple double. That's unacceptable. We talked about that out in the hallway. But you got to get a little tougher. And um, the, the secondary guys are out playing Cleveland's secondary guys, which I didn't see coming. At yeah, all. coming
1: off the bench, definitely Golden State's bench is you know head and shoulders above what Cleveland's trotting out there. But you said play harder. The thing that I see, and yes, Golden State their offense is predicated on the three ball, which means that you're going to get long rebounds coming off. At some point, Cleveland has to adjust. Golden State can't get every single loose ball, and that's what's happening. Part of it is because they're out working Cleveland. Second, you know, the other part of it is is Cleveland just doesn't seem to realize these long rebounds are going to come off. And on the offensive end, Cleveland's doing a lot of standing around watching, and whether it's Thompson or Love – There only seems to be one guy in the post when the shot
2: goes up. Well, I think when you're having to defend a team that scores that much from the perimeter, it kind of throws your rebounding scheme off. So, a lot of teams have assigned rebounds. Absolutely, I I get that it throws it off. It's time to adjust, Tyloo. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Tyloo, I said got out straight up out coached uh, by Mike Brown in the first game, and now you got Kerr back which I think that's a good story. I hope he, you know, get, you know, continues to get better, and it was good to see LeBron give him the respect that, that's due. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's it, – for people who have played basketball, like, you have, you, you have somewhat of a scheme. It's not necessarily putting a body on a body and boxing out. That's the start, but if you're out there playing – and having to guard it at the perimeter you saw in Game 1 where it just let K do, KD just walk through the zone. They just didn't really have, know how to adjust. Now it's the rebound. You're right, Ty Lue's got to figure out a way to adjust and have them not – Golden State's getting every loose ball, like you said. Walking in here, you said they're getting every loose ball. I can't argue with that.
1: Well, and the other piece of it, too. You said, well, in Game 1, KD was able to you know, plow through the lane with, with... – <laughs> Nobody paying any attention to him. Right. Cleveland did a pretty good job of fixing that. Golden State already shoots the three as well as anybody in the history of basketball. Sure. How many points, Trent, does their shooting percentage go up when there's nobody within 15 feet of the shooter?
3: I mean, probably what, 15? <laughs> I mean, they're probably going to shoot 90% I mean, nobody's you, within. There were a
1: couple times in the first half where I thought, it, it, would, it was reminiscent of a week three game in the NBA where nobody's playing defense. Mm-hmm. And whether it was Durant or Thompson or Curry or Green shooting the three, there not only was nobody there, there was nobody rushing the shooter. They were just like, oh, well, we missed the switch. Now we're just going to stand and watch and see if they drain this thing.
3: That Cleveland's got to do something. Well, I think they, they shocked them with, I mean, how much in the the first game they didn't even – shoot the three early they were just driving the paint they were going in there and I think it rattled Cleveland enough where they're not running out and they're not playing defense like they did last year they're not getting the rebounds and I think that's a big thing Tristan Thompson was basically the game changer when they won the title because he was getting all the offensive rebounds and right now he hasn't shown up So, Golden State's playing a different game. They're not just standing around relying on, you know, Clay and Steph to hit the three. They're taking it to the hole and then they're kicking it back out, and Curry can stand at the half court line and hit the three.
2: Well, and that's what I was saying play tough. I didn't mean if you heard harder, they're playing as hard as they can. You got to play tough. You got to put a body on a body. You got to make somebody think about it when they come to the hole. Um, I was watching, pulled up on. Um, ESPN had some clips of Jordan when they decided, well, we're just not going to let you have any freebies about how he got hammered. I'm not saying to do that, but you know, I see people helping people off the floor. One thing I noticed um, these guys are getting worn out because Steph Curry hits threes beyond the hash. Imagine having to come out on a pick and roll and having to switch at the hash mark. That's going to wear you out. Then you're tired already. Draymond gets five in the third quarter, and you're like, "Awesome, maybe we can get something done." And who replaces him? And it's KD, and you're just looking at each other. You're already exhausted. KD adds so much to this team; it's incredible. And I underestimated it for sure.
1: All right, I've got one beef. I want to. I want to air this out.
2: Oh, oh gosh!
1: All right, we saw it in the Western Conference. James Harden sort of made it his patented move was to, you know feel contact, toss up that dog on three, get to the line and shoot three free throws. And it was kind of ridiculous how it happened.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know obviously he's not in shooting motion when the contacts initiated, but he was able to make it and actually where you can justify it. A couple of times now in this final series in these first two games, Steph Curry has been coming across half court drawn contact, and they've given the continuation to see hoist up these threes. The NBA needs to quit disrespecting their officials and treating them like they're not idiots and can't determine whether the guy was legitimately shooting or not. It's stupid and it, it it there's nothing good about that part of the ball game right now. The continuation in the NBA is already out of out of control completely, but this takes it to a whole new level. This third free throw, you know, in the act of shooting threes, and you know you're getting fouled. Hell, even in the backcourt, and just hoisting it up and getting and getting three free throws. What do you think about well, that?
2: Well, right? <clears throat> if you're talking about that, the one that happened in the first half, that was absolutely a foul. <clears throat> and oh, it was a foul for <clears throat> sure,
1: but it was not a shooting foul.
2: It was a shooting foul. Come on, man. No, <clears throat> I know what you're talking about. There was one in uh, game uh, game one when Kyrie came over the pick, and I thought. And that's iffy. He threw it up. It actually went in. <laughs> this one, um well, I mean, you kinda have to count it if he goes yeah. in, right? But Steph Curry was absolutely now the Steph Curry
1: was not going to shoot that basketball from half court.
2: Jefferson fouled him. I remember I, the, the play. I, Jefferson I, fouled yes, him. Yes, he did. First of all, make it a real foul. Don't tic tac foul, Steph Curry. Go ahead and hack his arms if you're gonna foul him. But If you look back at the play, they even sent it up to the, I guess, the off-site referee official. He says it's a good call. I saw it for the first time after I saw the replay. I thought it was a good call. No, their attention is on it because it's Steph Curry, and he can actually he routinely hits half-court shots. I've
1: never seen him in the run of play shoot a running three-point shot from half-court. Have you,
3: Trent? Right at the end of the half or right at the end of the yeah. quarter. He does, but he, you're using what the NBA has given you. And I'm so telling, that, I'm telling you that the NBA, NBA ought to problem. change it. It's stupid. It is,
2: yep. It's stupid. He was shooting the ball. Um, he saw the pressure coming over. He knew Jefferson was on him, which means, you know, anytime you get a step on Jefferson in this series he's gonna put his arms on you he can't guard anybody but hold on let me No, finish he can't with... well he's 48 years old so i get no he can't. so he knew it was jefferson he was coming over and he took one step and started to shoot just as soon as that contact was coming and you're not in your hand no but i'm telling you he was in the motion of shooting by the time the contact happened. okay let, let
1: let's break it down like this though you just said that after he felt the contact when he he shot the ball when so when the, he was fouled he was not currently in the act of shooting and it would have been one thing if he was in the lane you know trying to get the layup but for for you to be able to feel the contact and then throw it up where where does it stop i wait. mean do you actually have to go through and you know shoot a, a traditional jump shot or can every time you feel
2: contact just throw the ball in the general vicinity of the of of the goal and get that call. I see your point. I think that there ne- needs to be some sort of limitation on what you need to define that. I think that's the point you're trying to make It's like define what is in the act of shooting but as it currently stands, like Trent said, you're, you're using what the NBA gives you, and Steph just used the rules. And I didn't say he felt the contact. I said he felt the contact coming from Jefferson. They're, they're anticipating. anticipating. They're <laughs>
3: anticipating. That's the guy, right. If you leave your feet, they're gonna jump into you and pretend like they're shooting, which is garbage. They weren't gonna shoot, but the guy left his feet, so they're gonna jump into you and shoot, and they're gonna call get a foul. All right, and you're take saying the shot.
1: that they're using what the NBA is giving them. But here's the thing: is that's been a fluid rule. I mean, think back to when we were kids. We're all about the same age. You look back thirty-five years ago, you weren't going to get a call
2: like that. Chris, was anybody guarding you at the three-point line anyway? There wasn't a three-point line. There wasn't a three-point line. There was a, you know, it was a thing. But when you were my... aiming at the peach basket, there was no such thing. as <laughs> a three-point line. All right, Aww. we'll keep we'll
1: keep arguing about doggone stupid NBA rules and and other things as we come back on the other side of the break. You're listening to from the cheap seats. Taped right here in Sanford, North Carolina, right in the middle of downtown. Let's Check go. us out on Facebook at From the Cheap Seats. You can get us on Twitter at at Cheap Seat Radio. Send us a note at CheapSeatRadio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, anything as we go into the break, guys?
2: No, I'm just ready to talk more basketball. Let's go. I'm feeling baseball, though.
3: Oh, there's some big things going on in baseball. A few records falling, but... Basketball, you know what, if Golden State sniffs three wins, they're not going to lose. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing
4: you could do anything. As a soldier in the US Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck get money for college and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader to find out more call your local army recruiter or visit us at goarmy.com they're strong and then there's army strong
5: the v foundation and board member robin roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research
6: jim valvano's greatest legacy is the v foundation You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose.
5: Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out
7: how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
8: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of.
9: At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
10: I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education.
9: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
0: Welcome back to From the Sheepseed.
1: All right, guys, we're talking a little bit of NBA right now. Um, I feel like this is, a, I don't know, an obituary for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I know they came back from 3-1 down last year. I know they were down 2-0. They get to go back to Ohio. But really, I was getting texts all through the game last night from friends of mine all across the country who all said sort of the same thing. This is over. This is over. Now, I want to I look at – First of all, anybody have any idea why LeBron didn't go to the podium last night and gathered, you know, that mass of reporters in the in the locker room. I don't know if any of you guys stayed up after the ball game.
3: So what happened was the scheduling of it. I guess yep. it started in Boston where he was waiting to be Uh, to go to the podium and a fan was harassing him and he got into a little confrontation so he doesn't like the scheduling of it. So he decided he would just, if they wanted to talk, come to the locker room. Oh, very interesting. Thanks for clearing that up. Well,
2: you don't meet. The king wait basically is what the
3: deal deal (laughs) is. Look,
1: I get that. Here's some of what LeBron had to say after last night's debacle. Uh, We had a couple miscues defensively and they uh, they made us pay for
11: it. I don't know.
1: I I mean, I don't...
3: Want to kind of get into the what we need to do better right now. It's, the game is too fresh, but so you know we're gonna go home and uh, watch the film, see ways we can be better, uh, do things. Uh, I don't want to say differently because you worked so hard to to this point to get to this point, but you know maybe make a couple changes
11: to see if we can you know be a lot better defensively and offensively. Right. But for the most part, you know with the game plan that we had, we tried to execute it as close as possible. we were much more physical, physical today than we was uh,
1: you know in game one. And we forced them to 20 turnovers, and, and they still, uh,
3: you, know, you know, beat us pretty good. So, you know, we got to be much better, too.
1: Am I the only one that thinks that the Cavaliers might be best served not to watch that film?
2: <laughs> That's when – watch the first three quarters, throw the fourth quarter away. Um, just because they started shooting lights out, and Cleveland was tired. You know, you just – Nobody thought they were going to take either game one or two. You know, I I really don't think that anybody really thought they could go in and steal one. And, you know, the people who are, like, contacting you, Chris, saying, oh, it's over, it's over, the tape, they need to be watching is last year's tape because they were down 3-1. As everybody knows, they were down 2-0. So anything can happen. This is a good Cleveland team. I, I will say this. The difference for me, as you see, Sean Livingston had 10 points and Ian Clark had 10 points off the board. That's 20 points that nobody saw coming. Um, and well, there's plenty
1: to go around when you hang 132 on them.
2: There's plenty to go around, but that just that – just <laughs> going into the series, we're talking about how they're not a deep team. And then you get those types of contributions. You know, they were shooting around – uh, Ian Clark was over uh, at fifty percent from the field. Sean Livingston was a little over fifty percent, and then you go to Cleveland's box score, and they're the people who are supposed to be producing. Like Shumpert has six points. You got Jefferson, which you said he's like a million years old. He's just got seven. Darren Williams has forgotten how to play basketball. So that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I remember when Darren Williams a couple years ago was a superstar in the NBA,
1: and I man, my my. Memories of Darren Williams from this season or from this this series up to this point, unless something changes dramatically, are gonna be him crying to the officials all the time. Dude, you take people one on four, you're not gonna get those calls. I
2: I don't know what happened what's happened to Darren Williams. Every time he hoists he shot three um every time he shoots a three-pointer, I cringe. He only shot two last night, but it seems like he's kind of settling for that shot. It seems like anybody who gets off the bench sees all the threes going up and, like, I want to join this party here and starts hoisting threes. That's not necessarily his game, if I remember. I
1: don't know what his game is at this point, though. Yeah, because he couldn't I mean, this drive and score either. Yeah, I mean, this guy has gone from being a legit star in the NBA just a couple years ago, went out and got kind of lost with, with Dallas, and now is in Cleveland. And, man, I do it's, un- it's unbelievable how bad he has gotten so fast. It's really kind of amazing. The thing with, the- with Cleveland, you're right, Brandon. You said that nobody expected them to come in and win one of the first two games in Golden State. Well, here's the thing. If they're going to win the title, they're going to have to win a ball game at Golden State. Sure. Of course, you know you saw LeBron chastise one of the reporters. Are you a smart guy? Did you guys see him? Oh yes. that was yeah, that's awesome. He they're going to have it. to get one. I do think that if you know had Cleveland been able to get one of these games, that's the story. Well, they've you know they've stolen home court. You know now they're in control. So yeah, the expectation was that Golden State was going to come out there and win those first two. Then you go to Cleveland and see if they can hold home court. And and then at some point in those last three games, if somebody can take one on the road, it's not that Golden State is beating them. It's not even the scores of these games. They've beaten them, you know, beaten the breaks off of them in two games on the scoreboard. It's watching the games unfold. See, I don't know where the answers are going to come from from Cleveland. And I was the guy right up to the finals saying, well, this is the second best big three in the NBA. Dude, KD. Hmm. I mean, the difference in that team from last year to this, they were really, really good the last couple of years. KD was You know, kind of sleepwalk through the through the regular season. But here's the other piece with with Kevin Durant. Everybody loved Kevin Durant when he was in Oklahoma City. He was everybody's favorite underdog. And then he won a couple MVP awards. He became a legit top two or three forward player in the league, superstar. But you didn't. What what could you possibly have said bad about Kevin Durant? He signs with Golden State and is America's villain. You know, at probably an even higher level than LeBron was when LeBron bolted for Miami. But KD, you know, LeBron spent a lot of time trying to justify his decision to go to Miami. KD, he's like, what? Yeah. And has embraced this. And he's playing the role of villain. And he's got that scraggly goatee going on now. What is he's that? changed his look. And he's he's America's villain. And he's embraced it. And the last thing that a team with that much talent is needed is some doggone motivation. But, you know, America, the sports fans of America are sort of somehow suggesting that it will be a tainted world championship. And they're like,
2: sure. You know, with cheddar like that, KD, you at least need to shape that goatee up, or you could probably afford implants and just have a fake one, dude, but what you got going on right there, maybe that's why nobody can guard you, because they're just busy staring at that (laughs) piece of roadkill on your face. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, KD, and I can't say it enough, I underestimated, I mean. I underestimated how much better Golden State would be in the finals cuz I knew they'd go cruise through the regular season with this guy, you know what I mean? Everybody spread the sh- shots around, but you make a point, man. This is KD's team. This is no longer Steph Curry's squad. And he nobody's saying it yet. Well, but on here's their team.
1: the here's the cool thing. If you're a Golden State
2: fan, Curry doesn't care. Well, he will care. And a lot of people say this and y'all are going to disagree and I'll let you. But a lot of people on the radio were talking about, well, you know, they spread the ball around, they don't care about points. Let Steph Curry not be on first-team All-NBA one more year. See what happens. Now, we're talking about down the stretch, that's a like a long-term problem. We're talking about these finals now. I'll be interested to see how that plays out. But this is sending a message to the rest of the league. You're not beating Golden State unless you get extremely lucky or you build a super team. Well, You're just or not going to beat them.
1: Unless somebody gets hurt. And because, let's be honest, Steph Curry, one of the concerns with him has been, can he stay healthy? Right. He has for the last couple of years, save for the finals last year, and everybody uses that as as an excuse. You've got a limited window of opportunity, no matter what the situation is. So, yes, assuming health and assuming that nothing crazy goes down – between now and the end of this regular season, because again, Kev, we talked about this last week. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, both free agents going into this offseason. The assumption is both of them are coming back. You add a ring to that mix and the chance to be a legit dynasty. I don't think either one of them's going anywhere. They seem comfortable in their skin. They seem to, you know, play nice together. Sure. And they've got the pieces around them. But here's the whole super team thing that we're talking about. You know, but we keep hearing, well, Cleveland, what's Cleveland supposed to do? What's Cleveland supposed to do? What's Cleveland supposed to do? Dude, Cleveland, there's no reason in the world, Cleveland shouldn't be that super team already. Let's think back. Let's do a little history. What year did LeBron leave Cleveland?
2: Mm, I can't remember. Well, it's, what, six years ago, seven years ago? So after
1: the 2010 season is when he left, right? All right. How many times have they had the number one pick in the draft since then? at least twice, three times, okay? How many of those players are contributors for the Cleveland Cavaliers at this point? One. One, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> All right, the year they took Kyrie Irving, they also had the 4th pick in the draft. They took Tristan Thompson. They had a chance, they could have drafted Clay Thompson. Well, no, I mean and I'm not trying to be revisionist, but the following year, they could have drafted Draymond Green. If you look at the draft history, for the Cleveland Cavaliers from even before LeBron got there. If you subtract LeBron and Kyrie
2: from the mix, it's been abysmal. Well, you're comparing that to Golden State's players, and nobody's questioning. The Golden State, it's not just a stroke of – a genius. It, there's a lot of luck in picking up a Steph Curry and having him come off a Davidson team that nobody else recruited and him becoming the Steph Curry that he is right I, now. Nobody knew that outside of Michael Thompson being his father that Klay Thompson was going to come out and be one of the Splash Brothers. Nobody had really even heard his name. Draymond was Well, a little,
1: apparently somebody in the Golden State front office had heard his name. And that's my point is that you know, yes in a vacuum,
3: one particular pick, there is luck involved, one way or the other. Sure. So, how many championships does Cleveland have to win with Kevin Love for them not to regret having Andrew Wiggins?
1: Dude, well, they already at have at least one. one more. I mean, seriously, at least I mean, one more. You're, you're talking about Andrew about Wiggins' their first
3: pick; they ruined
1: maybe their future for the now. And I'm going to tell you what: I'm not a hundred percent certain. That with this Cleveland team and all the money that's committed, I don't know that they can bring in any more help. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Andrew Wiggins might win a title before Kevin Love does. I I really did this. I don't want to be dramatic
2: about this. All right, guys, let's slow down. No, no,
1: here's my here's my question, Brandon. Is Cleveland obviously in this format, in this form, can't beat Golden State? When we come back from the break, I want you to tell me what it is that they can do between now and next season where they can level the playing field because I just don't see it. We've talked about the fact that Boston's got a shot to build you know, a, a super team. The Spurs have got some room to maneuver and do some things. I don't know what Cleveland can do outside of this big three, and I want you to tell me when we come back. You're listening From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on Facebook at From the Cheap Seats.
0: You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Acklin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show.
4: You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com.
11: There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership and organizational skills that i still use today serving part-time in the army reserve also offers skill training money for college and bonuses up to twenty thousand dollars so if you're up to the challenge talk to your local army reserve recruiter today or check us out online at goarmyreserve.com you too can be army strong in the army reserve
7: my name is bobby i'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb my victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming
8: a
9: weightlifting champion
8: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of.
9: At DAV, we're on a mission. Helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
10: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
9: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
0: Now, From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon
1: Atkins. Welcome back. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Trent Nichols. We are Cheap Seat Radio. Check us out on SoundCloud at From the Cheap Seats. You can get this week's show if, uh, if you've missed any of that and want to go back and figure out what we're talking about. You can also hear anything else we've ever done. So check us out on SoundCloud. We'd appreciate it if you'd uh, follow us on SoundCloud. Also follow us on Facebook. Now, Brandon, we maybe you feel like we got ahead of ourselves a little bit talking about the Cavaliers and the, and the Golden State Warriors. I'm on. I'm moving on to 2018, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what Cleveland can do to sort of reload and and become a better opponent for Golden State. You feel like there may be some adjustments that can get them back into this series. Please elaborate. Well, let's
2: let's briefly touch on both of those. Like in terms of them getting back in the series, just little comments like this that had me thinking. Draymond Green is already all he's focused on is keeping a cool head. So he learned something from last year, right? So he's already in the thought process of, let me not blow this for my team again. And I'm I'm the type of person who thinks a Draymond Green is pl- his he plays the best when he's on edge and he's Draymond Green. So he's already in his head. Plus you're coming from the West Coast to the East Coast time zone. That has some sort of an effect. Okay, on hold, on. hold on. It, it does. Hold on. I
1: got to I got to pull the brake.
2: Now, so I'm, you're <laughs> counting on the time zone
1: and Draymond Green's anger to be the equalizer I'm
2: getting that straight. There's a, like, you know how there's a, a lot of ingredients that goes into make, make, you you don't bake, so like you don't cook. I'm not cook. a baker. You don't even cook. I don't, do what? Oh. Throwing a piece of meat on a grill you doesn't constitute all, as cook, cooking. But anyway, long story short, there's a lot of things that go into it. We're talking about a lot of different things. And Cleveland has gotten a good look at what Golden State looks like in the finals. Oh, they got a good look at it. So <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that you, you know what they're going to do now. Ty Lue's got to make some adjustments. The pressure is, again, all on Golden State coming into Cleveland. you got Cleveland's crowd behind you. Those are the type of things you just need to figure out how to transition from a perimeter defense to, like we talked about earlier, figuring out how to box out for rebounds and things of that nature and how to steal some rest for LeBron James because he's doing everything he can moving forward. Now, as far as long-term, how do you compete with Golden State? You know, Golden State, why do they always say, well, you need to put a big three together? It's because you can't afford a big four, right, most times. Eventually, they're going to have to pay all these guys on Golden State. Now, will that happen – Soon enough to benefit a Cleveland Cavaliers next year, then year after that, maybe not. But I don't. I haven't heard of a lot of different players taking pay cuts these days to play together. It takes. I, I think a pretty special situation. So I don't see this Golden State team as it's currently put together lasting more than a couple of years. Anyway, how do you pay Steph Curry? How do you pay Kevin Durant? Draymond Green don't want to take pay, pay cut right? What about some of the, uh, who's stepping in line to take a pay cut? So long term, he's already said he will. He won't, right?
1: No, he's already said that he he will. will. Oh, he will? (laughs) So there's your logic. And and, and if he does that, you know, that puts a little bit of a burden on Steph Curry to take one as well. I think that in the age of max deals, the, the, first of all, the the NA, NBA Players Association is a bunch of knuckleheads. They've created this system where you're, I guess they were seeking parity, but the the way the max deals are structured and then all the different allowances for the bird rules and, and, and all the rest of that stuff, it's really a wacky system. But you said it. In most cases, you can't afford more than a big three. In a lot of cases, you can't really afford more than the big two. You know, two max deals. Now, at this point, with this ridiculous contract that they've gotten from ESPN, do you see that? a $1.4 billion from ESPN to run NBA basketball, which is already oversaturated. We've that's, got more NBA during the regular season than
2: anybody wants to watch. That's why they fired all these people. Well, it
1: is. I mean, you got $1.4 billion
2: to broadcast NBA games through the regular season. Dude, nobody's watching it. The Players Association should have somebody making the league minimum. Like an example, Chris Paul is basically the head of the Players Association, and he's a free agent, and it just so happens that all the rules he helped work is helping them out this following season. You know, the league minimum guys might want to have a say in that because I'm pretty sure Chris Paul is not staying up late worrying about Chris DeLambert getting the league minimum to play uh, in the NBA. um, I'll take the league minimum to play in the NBA or do anything else.
1: I'll go dig ditches for the NBA league minimum, whatever you want.
2: I'm good with that. No, I'm just saying, long-term, Golden State's most likely not going to stay together. And that will fix that situation. You won't have the super team three or four years from now.
1: Okay, I do think it's safe to say that Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are going to be there long-term. Now... Golden State, yes. Can they keep? Does that mean, you know, what's it mean for Thompson and for Draymond Green and for, you know, bench pieces that they have coming off? But here's the other piece of that, too. is people complain, well, look at what they've got on the bench. They've, you know, Iguodala's on there. They've got these guys that are coming through. Well, people used to cry about the Spurs with the same thing because guys would take a pay cut and they'd come out there to play with Tim Duncan because they knew they were going to get a ring. Well, you're going to see that continue to happen as long as KD and Curry are there. You know Thompson and Green are there for another few years. We'll see what happens when those guys come up because somebody's going to step to the plate and say, "Well, we'll give Clay Thompson a, a max deal." They'll ruin K- the day they did it, but they'll do it.
2: If KD does in fact keep his keep his word and doesn't take uh, or takes a pay cut, you're talking about the Spurs, Tim Duncan. You and I were talking about the top, the best players when we're having the Michael Jordan, LeBron debate. People like. Don't bring up Tim Duncan in that discussion as much as they should. Right? He had what they don't. five rings, and that dude did take a pay cut. Yeah, to keep all, all those guys time. together. Well, and all
1: Tom the- and you know Brady paid for has played for less than market value for a long time, so it's not unheard of. He's got of. Giselle, though. He does, but you, you've got to look at things in context and figure out you know when is enough money enough money. And I'm not I'm not in the business of counting other people's money. Right. You know, I'm not going to say, well, KD's this, that, or the other because he won't take a pay cut or won't give a hometown discount. But there's a certain level of comfort that's already been achieved there. He's got his cheddar. So, you know, at this point, when you're talking about Kevin Durant, let, let's consider for a second, all right? Kevin Durant is out there in Golden State and is likely to get his first ring this year, okay? That moves him into another stratosphere, in terms of his place in NBA history. Kevin Durant, if he never played another game of NBA basketball after this season, would probably be a Hall of Famer. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you're starting to have the conversation, you know, where does he fit? Is he a top 15 player all-time? Is he a top 10 player all-time? Let that cat run off two or three more doggone world championships in Golden State. How far is he from the conversation with Jordan... Kobe, LeBron, Magic Johnson, Kareem, those guys. I mean, really, is it – you know, I think at this point it's far
2: too early to speculate about that, but Kevin Durant's not an old guy. Well, do you think it's the same what Cle- um, LeBron did in Miami as to what he did here? Because that will be the difference maker. If he – because my opinion is that – It if, is the
1: same thing, but Kevin Durant doesn't have and, – and it may, as we move forward – it's going to be those pivotal moments where you where you take a look and figure out, you know, what did KD do in those big moments?
2: Well, I'm just I'm I don't hear as much. LeBron's got three rings. Yes, he I does. don't hear a lot of people attaching as much value in terms of him teaming up with other superstars. As I do think that KD's going to get by leaving the Thunder. Everybody's calling him a sellout. To go get on a seventy-three team win, uh, win team, are they going to be like? Let's say he gets three rings, and all of a sudden he's in that conversation. Are people going to go, well, dude, you just joined the, the same team that has are the you, most wins of all time? So are smarter. you legitimately
1: asking that question because they already are? I mean, as bad as it was for for LeBron, the thing that people got upset about with LeBron, LeBron, it's another level. There, there's a couple layers. First of all, LeBron was playing for his hometown team. Okay. Durant didn't have that kind of tie to Oklahoma City. Then, secondly, think about the production. Remember the you know, the special, the show, the announcement, all of that stuff that came with it. Yep. And it wasn't just him, it was he and Chris Bosch went down there together. Now, Kevin Durant, take all that off the table. Kevin Durant did it in a, a more classy manner and he still has been vilified for it. I mean, he's the he's I, I said in the first segment, he's America's villain right
3: now and doesn't seem to give a dog on because he's smarter. I mean, LeBron took Chris Bosh and attached himself into a D-Wade situation where at basically the decline Of his career and they won and they got all those guys for nothing they couldn't sign anybody for anything in miami because they paid too much kevin durant just signed on with one of the best players or the best shooter of all time brilliant and the question is and and the question is
1: coming out of oklahoma city i think in a perfect world kevin durant russell westbrook stay together and try to build that team kevin durant was in the building he knew the mess that was left on that roster. He met with management and, and realized they're not going to be able to do anything with this moving forward. I think Kevin Durant, probably better than anybody, knew Serge Ibaka wasn't as good as anybody thought he was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because it had, wasn't that long ago where you're looking at Oklahoma City and you're like, well, they've got a big three. You know, and look at how they've drafted Durant, Westbrook, Ibaka. Ibaka's a man without a home now. Was essentially given away by Orlando to Toronto. And at this point, nobody even wants the guy. So Westbrook is out there on his own. You know, what happens moving forward is is remains to be seen. But at this point, real quick on my question, assuming that Golden State gets the ring this year, what can Cleveland do to be something other than the team Golden State beats up on for the next couple of years? Because I don't see what you can do with all the money you've got committed to Love, Irving, and LeBron. There's no free agents out there. They don't draft until the end of the first round. They really don't have any bench pieces they can deal. What are you going to do?
2: Ask Bogut not to get hurt and remind Darren Williams how to play basketball. Darren Williams. I mean, mean, they went and tried to do what you're saying, and it didn't work out.
1: Well, it didn't work out, and I don't suspect moving forward that anything else can work out. I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Love is – if they try to package that and parlay that into something – But I really just don't know, guys. Again, check us out on SoundCloud at From the Cheap Seats. You're listening on one of two, well, one of a million places, but if you're listening to uh, radio, you're listening to us on WDCC 90.5 The Beat in Central Carolina or on the WBLZ Sports Network. You can hear that worldwide on the WBLZ Sports Sports app. Uh, Get us on SoundCloud at From the Cheap Seats. Again, you can hear anything we've ever done. We hope you're enjoying the show. Send us out a shout.
0: Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
4: You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong and then there's Army strong.
5: The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting edge research.
6: Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose.
5: Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit
7: JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
8: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of.
9: At DAV, we're on a mission. Helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
10: I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education.
9: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
0: Welcome back to From the Sheeps.
1: Welcome back From the Cheap Seats. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're closing out the last hour of the show. If you're listening on WBCC, um, we got about 15 minutes left. Head on over to SoundCloud at From the Cheap Seats, and you can hear the uh, second hour of the show. WBLZ listeners, strap yourselves in. It's going to be a hot second hour.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. Um, off the air, Mr. DeLambert here and DJ Schlepprock, Chris, uh, Tim coppas We had a moment, didn't we? Y'all had a moment, and Tim just is like, all right, you mess with me. I'll just go ahead and put you right on. I'll go ahead and go live on you and not even tell you about it. Yeah, and
1: he's over there giggling like a schoolgirl about it, too. <laughs> I'm glad I can be your source of amusement. Thanks, guys.
2: Stop making him mad, Chris. Please. All right, we've been talking
1: round and round and round about the NBA for the last 45 minutes. And, you know, the way the salary cap works in the NBA, it, dude, you need a PhD to figure it out. But the bottom line is it's very difficult to put together these super teams because it's all just a it's, a, it's an operation in creative mathematics. And you've got the same thing in the NFL because those are, those are two leagues that have hard salary caps. Baseball's a little bit different. But let me tell you something. The NFL is where everybody gets excited about free agency, right? Let me tell you why. If you've got a child that is athletically inclined, if you've got a little boy and you're trying to figure out what he should do in terms of playing a sport, baseball is the way to go. Baseball contracts are forever. And these guys, when you see an NFL
2: contract. So are and, baseball games. Shut they up. last forever. Oh, this is going to be a rough half it's hour gonna, or so for you. It's it? going to. Go, go. Here's the thing.
1: NFL, we hear about, you know, so-and-so signed $23 million signing bonus, yada, yada, yada. After that in the NFL, the chances of somebody actually finishing a contract seem to be, you know, smaller and smaller and smaller as the years go by and the longer the contracts get. Baseball contracts are legitimately forever. You're going to collect every nickel that you sign for, whether you finish with that team or not. And a guy... Whose contract has been looked at and scrutinized incessantly over the last couple years is Albert Pulhos. Now, this past weekend, Albert Pulhos joined an elite club. The 1 2. Breaking
5: ball (laughs) with (laughs) the 10 left field. Hugging the
11: line. This one's got a chance to go. Go! Big fly for Albert Pulhos. Number
1: 600. Albert Pujols became the ninth player in Major League Baseball history with 600 home runs. I'm going to tell you what, Brandy, you can take a nap. Trent Nileham. <laughs> I'm already taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, Trent, I am a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan. I liked it a whole lot better when the St. Louis Cardinals were in the NL East and the Reds were in the NL West which was always kind of goofy since Cincinnati's farther to the east and vice versa, but whatever. I spent years watching Albert Pujols torture Cincinnati Reds pitching. And his tenure with the St. Louis Cardinals set him up maybe as the best right-handed hitter in the history of baseball. There's an argument that can be made for that. I think that in this day and age of hot takes and hyperbole, sometimes we as a sports community, we look right past real greatness that's staring us in the face. And Albert Pujols, as much as I hate the Cardinals, I hate him for being a Cardinal and and the World Championships they won while he was there. Albert Pujols is legitimately top shelf, one of the top 10 offensive baseball players in history and we don't seem to be we don't seem to care we're missing it what's going on
3: you know i think the biggest problem is that he is on the Anaheim Los Angeles Anaheim Angels you mean the
1: California Angels where
3: where wherever he the is
1: california angels of los angeles anaheim that's the stupidest thing i, I don't even
3: get it I, I mean so they have also Probably the best player in baseball right now, Mike Trout, and people don't even know what he looks like. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go and hide, go sign with Anaheim, and play in California. Now, if he would have been on the Red Sox right now, oh, God. I think things would have been different. But he went where they took him, gave him a huge contract, and he hasn't performed that well.
1: Well, let's 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 talk about it. First of all, let's let's look at this in context, okay? There are only, like I said, nine players that have 600 home runs now that Albert Pujols has joined that club. Albert Pujols, 37 years old. Mm -hmm. Of those nine players, that baseball elite, and just real quickly, Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, Alex Rodriguez, Willie Mays, King Griffey Jr., Jim Tomei, Sammy Sosa, Albert Pujols. All right, of those nine guys – only three of those guys have 3,000 hits. So you're talking about the most exclusive of exclusive clubs when you're talking about 3,000 hits, 600 home runs. Albert Pujols probably won't get to 3,000 this year, but will most definitely, barring you know a catastrophic injury, get to 3,000 next year. So it's safe to assume right now, and, and you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself with baseball because guys can fall off the face of the planet. But Albert Pujols... Next year looks as though he will become the fourth member of the 3,600 club.
5: Mm -hmm.
1: That's ludicrous. Mm
5: -hmm.
1: You're talking about Hank Aaron, Alex Rodriguez, Willie Mays, and most likely Albert Pujols as the four guys that sit with those two milestones. And baseball, more than anything else, I think, is probably a milestone-driven league when you talk about offense in particular. What is this guy, how have we missed this? I mean, you look back in, the, in the, the stretch that he had from 03 to 2010, maybe 11 with the St. Louis Cardinals, one of the most effect, effective periods for an offensive player in the history of Major League Baseball. I mean, this guy tore the cover off the ball. For, from a career standpoint, Pulho sits 17th on OPS for his career all right it's a you know you want to talk about hall of famers that's where you go to as you look at career ops and you start looking at that top 25 and you can pretty much plug those guys in there's a couple of exceptions jim be in right there uh man i don't know anyway so pool host is out there and this is what i wanted to get to with the contracts is that coming off world series with st louis in 2011 Albert Pujols signed a $240 million contract. Mm,
2: That's a lot of cheese right there. With Mm. the Los
1: Angeles Angels.
2: I'm going to contribute to this conversation. That's a lot of cheddar. $240 million. And here's the thing.
1: He is going to get every nickel of that $240 million contract over the course of that 10 years. Mm -hmm. He's 37 now. His final contract year with the Angels, he'll be 41 years old. He's got four more years left on that deal, and he'll be making $30 bucks at that point.
2: Hmm.
1: Now, you look at it now, and you're like, okay, Albert Pujols was one of the best offensive players ever, but the Angels signed him going into his age 32 year for 10 more years. Was uh, Bobby Bonilla his agent or something? <laughs> Bobby Bonilla, yeah. right. Here's the interesting thing about Bobby Bonilla, though. He didn't even know what he just hit on. <laughs> he might, and, and it's a great line. Bobby Bonilla, the old the old wives' tale is that Bobby Bonilla's injury is why Albert Pujols made the St. Louis roster as rookie coming out at of, a of camp. Mark McGuire was was in retirement mode. Bobby Bonilla was penciled in. And they needed another power bat, and gave Pujols the nod coming out of out of uh, camp. He'd only he only played one 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 year of minor league baseball, but had Bonilla not been hurt, there's very little chance that Pujols would have been on the roster and got off you know to the start he did. And had he gone down to the minors, you never know how he'd been mired down there. So it's very interesting that you did that and didn't even mean to Brandon Atkins. Uh, congratulations. But here's my here, here's my thing with with uh, Pujols. Thirty-two years old, you know the shelf life on a baseball player can, you know, it can go into well into your thirties, but not into your forties. And Artie Moreno, the owner of the of the Angels, is this the worst contract ever? Wow. Because Paul has never approached, not even close, being the player that he was in St. Louis, and I don't think anybody else in baseball thought. Yeah, Pulis is going to continue to be this nightmare
3: Not for, for the next years. five,
1: six, ten years, yeah. and signed him to this big fat deal. And if a team was going to be loyal to him, it would have been understandable if St. Louis had ponied it up and said, "You know what? Sort of for services rendered, you know, loyal. We want to see you retire in in, in a St. Louis Cardinals jersey." Had they stepped up and been the team to give him all that cheese, it would have been one thing. The Maybe. Angels didn't know him anything.
2: It sounds like a horrible contract, but can I say, going back to one of your earlier comments, is how have we missed this greatness? Yes. And as a casual fan who really only tunes in, uh, like when say the Astros are like going off, that's a headline that I'm watching right now. The names that you named off, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, I'm like, mm, those are big names, big names. You got the A Rod, I'm like, Peds. Albert Pujols signs this contract, goes to Anaheim, what kind of player is he now? It makes me wonder.
12: Oh, I knew it was coming. It makes
2: me wonder. I knew it was coming. It makes me wonder. Like, I mean, how do you explain a drop-off with the guys built like a bull? And I'm just saying from the casual fan's perspective, we're all going, oh, we know what the deal is here. He may be getting used to another testing protocol with Anaheim. That's you know. Th- I'm just telling you guys. You That's guys,
1: Brandon Atkins. A T K I N S. Um, if any uh, allegedly uh, any uh, any attorneys are They're, listening, for allegedly. Aberpools. I look. First of all, I can't look at it from a casual fan's perspective because I'm not a casual fan, right? So if you say that from a casual fan's perspective, we're looking and we're wondering, you know, was it the PEDs or were there PEDs involved? I can't argue with you until you don't feel that way. I can tell you that host I don't personally believe that he was a PED guy. Okay. He and
3: replaced it, Mark McGuire, which was the biggest controversy of PED. That's where I give him credit, because he was the guy that replaced Mark McGuire. So, obviously, that's when they turned back into being a clean team.
1: Well, we'll see, and time will tell. But we'll get more of this after the break. Bye, WDCC.
2: See ya.
0: You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show.
7: My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a
9: weightlifting champion.
8: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of.
9: At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
10: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
9: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
0: Now, from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins.
1: All right, if you're listening to this, then you're either on uh, SoundCloud or one of the uh, one of the sites we've got that link out there, or you're listening to us on the WBLZ Sports Network. If you came over and followed us over from WDCC, we appreciate you and uh, hope you're having a good time. Going into the end of the last hour, we were talking about Albert Pujols and his greatness. Versus his contract. Look, I'm not going to bog this down with a whole bunch of numbers, but the bottom line is, Brandon, do you know what OPS is?
2: It's in it when it, it's on base plus uh, slugging? Yes. God. Excellently done. <laughs> Man. Gold star. Yes. Gold star Y'all for Brandon Atkins. you didn't think I knew Atkins. any baseball. No. What's up
1: now? So it, by, by my reckoning, it's the best measure – for offensive efficiency. And when you look all time, 148 years of baseball, 148 years of Major League Baseball, there have only been 93, or 93 seasons that a player has put up an OPS of 1.1 or better. Okay, so in all these years of baseball, There have been 93 individual performances where a player put up an OPS of 1.1 or better. That's about two-thirds of the time. Generally speaking, if you go back, with a couple of exceptions around the turn of the century, and when I say that, I mean the 19th century, most of those players that have gone 1.1 or better in a single season have been an MVP in that year. Now... There have been guys that have captured lightning in a bottle. Albert Bell, Bryce Harper's done it once in his career so far, Edgar Martinez, George Brett, Jeff Bagwell, a couple other guys that have done it once. But when you start talking about guys that have had multiple seasons of OPS of 1.1 or better, there's very few of those guys. Albert Pujols has done it four times in his career. The following is a list, Trent, Mm -hmm. of the guys that have done it more than four times during their career, had an OPS of 1.1 or better. Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth did it 13 times. In fact, he had a stretch where he did it 13 out of 14 seasons, which is mind-boggling. Second on the list with seven times, well, tied for seven, Lou Gehrig and Ted Williams. So you're talking about legit baseball royalty there. Barry Bonds and all of those with one exception back when he did it in 93. From 2000 to 2004 put up maybe the most impressive stretch of offensive baseball in history. We were joking about PEDs before Barry Bonds is tainted. But 5 six excuse me, 6 seasons of 1.1 or better. And then you have Rogers Hornsby on that list. Rogers Hornsby did it five times. He's the only other right-handed hitter between on that list other than Albert Pujols.
11: Hmm.
1: That list right there, who else, when you talk about the greatest offensive players of all time, doesn't make that cut? Joe DiMaggio, maybe? Come on, Trent. Work with me, baby. Yeah. My point is, is that – oh, and I left Jimmy Fox off that off that list. Oh. My fault. Jimmy Fox has did it five times. So you're talking about Ruth, Rogers Hornsby, Ted Williams, Lou Gehrig, Jimmy Fox, Barry Bonds, and Albert Pujols. Dog. I mean, are those the greatest six or seven hitters in the history of baseball? Back to my point – Albert Pujols, from 03 to 2011, had an amazing run, an absolutely amazing run. But then at 32 years old, signs a 10-year deal based on past production to go out there with the Angels. How many times have the Angels won the World Series since he signed out there? Zero. Yeah. How many times have they appeared in the World Series since there?
3: I can only Zero. remember the one. They've only made the playoffs once. Okay.
1: They've only made the playoffs once. St. Louis has been in the playoffs every year since, with the exception of last year, and been to the World Series. So obviously St. Louis knew what they were doing. Obviously every other club in baseball that looked at a 32-year-old guy and said, you know what, the decline is coming, knew what they were doing. So when you look at this and you look at $240 million over a 10-year period to a guy who obviously was going into the twilight of his career, where does this stack up in terms of the worst contract in history?
3: I think it's got to be on there. I mean, even just the length of time that they signed him. Has gotta be in there. I mean, if you just take apart the the millions of dollars that it is just for the ten years, is gotta be right on there. I mean, one of the worst ones, Josh Hamilton. I mean, five years, hundred and twenty five million dollars. They've ended up paying him sixty eight million dollars already.
0: To How not long play baseball.
3: How long has he played with the Angels?
1: Yeah. Well, and Artie Moreno, I remember when he when he bought the team and there was the whole thing about changing the name of the teams and they couldn't decide what it was going to be called and all the rest of that and they got a, a lot of hoopla because he was a minority owner mm-hmm. you know, had cash to throw around and spent like a drunken sailor and they built on paper their super team and it hasn't translated baseball is not that where you can just throw money at at, at players you have to bring your own through the system and with the exception of Mike Trout. They haven't done anything. And these burnt contracts, you know, there's limits to how much anybody can spend. And they're saddled with this contract for Pulhos, who, you know what, I want to make sure everybody's clear on this. I think I've blown enough sunshine about Albert Pulhos, one of the greatest offensive players of all time. But that track record goes back and kind of stopped around 2011 so you're talking about being five or six years removed from him being one of the best players in baseball, and you're saddled with contracts for he and Josh Hamilton, and poor Mike Trout is out there, you know, playing at a very, very high level right now. You said the best player in baseball. I don't know if I'm willing to gloss him that way. I think I'll take Chris Bryant and a couple other guys before I do Mike Trout, but Mike Trout is, is even if he's not the best player, might be the most exciting player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I hear have heard people here late, lately been talking, you know, putting him in, in the same conversation as DiMaggio and Mays and the rest of that. Baseball doesn't work that way. You got to do it for about 10 years before you get to be
2: in that conversation. Well, what are the, some of the worst contracts? Um, we were talking about that before we came back on. It kind of made me th- remember Albert Hainsworth uh, for the Redskins? Yes, sir. <laughs> $100 million contract for seven years. He went to back-to-back Pro Bowl seasons in Tennessee. Shows up in Washington, complains about their defensive scheme, and basically stops coming to practice in 2010.
1: Well, but the that's difference, one the first ones and, to, and it is a bad contract. It's a horrible contract. How much was the signing bonus?
2: I don't remember the signing bonus. See, the difference was,
1: is the the difference is with an NFL contract is yes, he got the signing bonus, but most of the rest of that's not guaranteed. Right. So when you look at it, yeah, it's a horrible contract. And the question there is always going to be, who was at fault? Was it Hainsworth for stealing that money, or was it Washington for not putting him into a defense that he wanted to play in? Right. You've kind of seen the same thing. Look at Ndamukong Sue down in Miami. You know, Sue's still on the squad, but he's a shadow of what he was when he was in Detroit. But the things that they're asking him to do in Miami don't really play to his strengths. So, it was a bad fit, but Dan Snyder's never, you know, never seen the opportunity to write fat checks that he, did, he wouldn't jump at. Sure. My question is, you know, when you look at that, like Albert Hainsworth, and you're getting paid over the course of years, or Bobby Bonilla, you know, that's one of your favorite contracts of all mm-hmm. time, being a Mets fan, Trent. You know, Bobby Bonilla signed a contract that paid him an annuity of $1.5 Was it 15 years? 15. 15 years. So for the last 15 years, and we believe this is the last year that he was able to collect that annuity payment, Bobby Bonilla's still been getting paid for the for the New York Mets. Now it's funnier than it is impactful because 1.5 million a year to an organization as big as the New York Mets at this point, you know, the, the relative value to them of that 1.5 million is not a big deal. Of course, Bobby Bonilla, he has a party every year when that check comes. Here's my question with that though. If you're collecting an annuity for not playing a sport like that, or or however the payments working, if you're you know Mo Vaughn stole money from the Mets, when you're getting paid for not playing like that, how does how do you collect your money? I mean, is there a Brinks truck that pulls up in front of your house? <laughs> is it direct deposit? You just drop it in my checking account?
2: <coughs> yeah, it's a little awkward, isn't or, it?
1: Or is it or, or is it you know you stand and leaned up against the the mailbox waiting on the mailman to come? Yeah, how does that work? What what's the vision in your mind's eye, Brandon? How's
2: that what's that look like? When we were taking a break, I was saying exactly that. Like is Bobby Vanilla just waiting by his mailbox? Like for the you know, the mailman. we were actually we we're out there and the mail was being delivered, it made me think of Bobby Vanilla just waiting for
3: his check. I, I think it's delivered by Mr. Matt. And- <laughs> As he pulls away, <laughs> he flicks them off.
2: Does he? Does he pull up in the bullpen cart? He
3: pulled <laughs> in I the like Big it. Apple. Okay, yeah. yeah, I like it,
2: guys. I had to just throw this in. I looked up bad contracts, and the one that made me laugh the most was John Conkac in 1989.
3: Oh, wow! You know,
2: and, and the funny thing about it is, it really makes you understand and remember how big the money's gotten in the short. Yeah, because what was
1: Konkak's was like, like five million a it, year.
2: It was no, he got six years. It was thirteen million. But at the time, what made it was unheard of for a reserve. He never made an all-star team, and at the time, he was making more than Michael
3: Jordan, Magic Johnson, oh. and Larry Bird. John Konkak.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, John Konkak. Nice one. Nice nice find.
3: I mean, I like Matt Flynn. Three years, $19.5 Dude, million. Then that... he, he played one game and made $19.5 million. Well, what's... He played one game and then signed for that.
1: Yeah, well, what's funny about that is is that, you know, the Seattle Seahawks – they haven't missed much when it comes to personnel moves. And that's one of those funny things in history is that they drafted Russell Wilson, you know, third round, fourth round. They drafted Russell Wilson as an afterthought. Matt Flynn was supposed to be the quarterback of the, of the Seattle Seahawks. And I can remember watching yeah. them in preseason that year. And a friend of mine who's a big UNC fan Sending him a text and saying, hey, man, you might not want to hear this, but Russell Wilson, who obviously is an NC State guy, he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And that dude just laughed at me.
2: You know what? Matt Flynn wouldn't have thrown the ball in the Super Bowl like Russell Wilson did. Oh, oh.
1: And I wonder, Matt Flynn probably could have just handed off to Marshawn Lynch. That's what I'm thinking. Everybody Uh,
2: else alive thought, and dead for that matter, everybody thought they should have run the ball. So
1: I want to make sure that I'm 100% clear. You're saying that the Seattle Seahawks would have two Super Bowl rings. (laughs) Had they not screwed up and gotten rid of Matt Flynn. That's what you're saying? I love it.
2: If Matt Flynn was there, (laughs) they'd have two rings. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And and we talk about we don't like hot takes. That's the hottest of all takes, baby. I'm just trying to sprinkle a little, (laughs) some action into this baseball talk. That's all. Beautiful. We'll see you on the other side. Don't go
0: anywhere. We'll be right back.
4: You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong and then there's Army Strong.
5: The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting edge research.
6: Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose.
5: Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit
7: JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
8: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of.
9: At DAV, we're on a mission helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
10: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education. When
9: America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
0: Welcome back to From the Cheap
1: Welcome back, guys. This is Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, hanging out with me. Dave Kaplan's in the building. Dave just popped his head around, so we'll get him in here and talk a little bit of golf here in a while. So I do want to make sure we're breaking ground here. Uh, That's a worldwide first right there. You got that from the, the astute analysis of Brandon Atkins. Matt Flynn had the Seahawks not screwed up and they'd kept him and not started Russell Wilson. Seattle would have two Super Bowl rings. If they had just, yeah,
2: if they'd le- left that Wisconsin Badger on the bench <laughs> and played Matt Flynn. For all my NC State fans out there,
1: I like it. I like it. So where's what's Matt Flynn doing these days?
2: I, who knows? I think he's on a roster somewhere. He, he, he's I'm sure he's,
3: he's not. not. He's, no. he's
2: still collecting a paycheck
1: yeah, from you Seattle for his, 19
3: million. He's doing whatever he wants. That's right. Yes,
1: sir. Good point. Somebody get Matt Flynn on the phone. We need to have him on the show. Work on that, Schlep Rock. Schlepp. Make that happen. All right, so we're talking about Albert Pujols, his greatness, his contracts. Um, I just want to say again, in my estimation, Albert Pujols is the best right-handed hitter of all time. However, at this point, he's a very pedestrian offensive player on an awful Angels ball club, and he's going to be there – for another 5 years. He'll be there through his age, through age 41 because they can either pay him to play okay baseball or they can pay him to play no baseball at all. You know, if I'm 41 years old and I've got the opportunity to make 30 million bucks in that year, I'm coming back. Yeah. I'm not retiring. There's no way I'm leaving that kind of money on the table. You know, it's at this point it's not as if anybody else wants to wants to bring him in. So we can put the we can close the book on Albert Pujols. Yes or no, Trent? Will Will Albert Pujols, who at this point is 162 home runs behind Barry Bonds, will he catch him in the next four and a half years?
3: I I don't I don't see it. He hasn't averaged that much. He's had a couple of 40 home run years okay, with the Angels. Okay, hold
1: on now. For the last three years, Pujols has averaged 33 home runs a year. Mm-hmm. 33. By four and a half, get you in the ballpark. Dave Kaplan will pull holes catch. It. Barry Bonds, get a definitive no. I like that. No. Brandon, we en- don't even care. Not enough juice. Not, not enough, enough ju- juice. <laughs> not enough juice, <laughs> not literally. Enough, I, I like He's got to
2: figure out Anaheim's testing protocol and get on the right <laughs> stuff, and then he'll pass right by him. Hey, just real quick, I just saw this. I like to sprinkle in some interesting stuff in all this baseball talk. <laughs> hey, I just saw this come across. Hank Williams Jr.'s song is back on Monday Night Football now. All my ready friends are coming over tonight. I'm so excited that wow. I can't say it. It's just breaking right now, man. I mean, now I can watch Monday Night Football. I and think.
1: I get to – I get, dude, folks at home can't recognize. We're going to watch that on your TV with your sound bar. Let me tell you something. This guy bought this, – this portion of this show is brought to you by Bose. <laughs> Brother. This dude bought a Bose sound system that is absolutely
2: top shelf. It's like concert grade. Uh, My productivity has gone (laughs) way (laughs) south. I'm like, I got tickets for the Carolina game. I'm
3: good. I'm good. I'm I'm just going
2: to be chilling in my living room. Dude.
1: And now Hank's back. Another another
3: one of the ESPN cutbacks. They could only get Hank Williams Jr. (laughs) (laughs) to do their song. Uh, no, no,
1: no! Are you sure it's not Hank the Third? Because you know they are strapped for well, cash right I, now. I
2: think the song's coming back. I don't think they're actually inviting Hank.
1: Back. Oh
2: my God! The
1: song's coming back. I think they ought to have it covered. That seems to be the thing with movies and TV right now. Every time I see a trailer, I saw I saw a trailer for a movie the other night, and it it was the Go Go's. We got the beat. What? <laughs> Come on, man. That what? wasn't cool 40 years ago. What are you doing?
2: You're right. They should have somebody new. It's kind of like the KFC commercial where they have different people playing <laughs> the Colonel. My, my, my wife looked at me last night. Is that Rob Lowe?
10: <laughs> yeah, it is.
2: That is hilarious um, marketing there. But, yeah, you just have somebody new come on and cover the song. So That's who's the like cover? Who's
3: covering it? Tim Hare.
2: <laughs> I don't think it's a McGraw. I don't think it's a McGraw song. It, well, I mean, this,
1: you know. Degrees of separation, bro. You're good. <laughs> I think too so. Many. If if all right, uh, we'll quick poll between the three of us. If if you were going to choose an artist to cover, Ugh. all my rowdy friends f- as the new version of the Monday Night song, who's going to be? I got a I got one right on top of my head. Well, Who you got?
2: I think the people's choice would be Kid Rock or something like that. What do you think? I want 21 Pilots. 21 Pilots. Wouldn't that be dope? I love 21 Pilots. So do I.
1: Can you imagine them doing All My Rowdy Friends? All My Rowdy Friends.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That'd be amazing.
1: I love it. Thanks for that little
2: tidbit.
3: What you got for me, Trent? You know, I was thinking Zach Brown. He's kind of hot in the country. Bringing it back, he's very popular.
2: Let's do a little Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick. That'd be kind of. Yeah, but
3: I'm sick to death.
2: Well, stop listening Sick to, to that all the time,
1: man. No, it's the NBA. Anything associated with it, yeah, we get it. You you think you're cool and you got a little street cred because you throw Kendrick Lamar out there. Come on, man. Kendrick Lamar doesn't need the NBA. How does that play with How does that play with with rap artists? Is it a good thing for them commercially, or is it a bad thing? Oh, you're I a rap guy.
2: Yeah, I don't. know. I mean, I mean would Wu Tang think... have done NBA if you paid a enough? <laughs>
3: We're at so Wayne. Little Wayne is there, on that show all well, I mean, the time on uh, Fox Sports 1. There, with just Shannon listen. Sharp and whoever that other and dude is. And that's more reasons not to watch exactly. it. Exactly. Actually, Answer first your take, own
2: question. They came out with a song with the lyrics, Cash Rules Everything Around <laughs> Us. Cream Get the Money, Dollar Dollar Bill. Y'all. I mean, you don't think they would do a cover of Hank Williams' all Junior my song?
3: Friends, yeah.
2: I, I could dig that, man. We should make Somebody that get, happen. Hey, Tim, get... Uh, Method Man on the phone, please. <laughs> I know ODB is going to be kind of hard to reach. But. Oh, my gosh. You want
3: to talk about hockey? Yeah, we can talk about hockey.
1: Now, Nashville showed up a little late to the dance, but when they showed up, they showed up for real. Now, uh, we both predicted after game one, Pens wouldn't win another ballgame. Yeah. You remember that? Yep. You remember five. how wrong we were? Yep. Yeah, not a great moment for us penn got the Game 2 win, but over the weekend, Nashville came back, and, you know, I was like, wait a minute, down a goal. And then they just decided, enough of this nonsense. Now, what I want to talk about is P.K. Subban, before Game 3, after Game 2, he wasn't shaking at all. Um,
8: well, we're not looking at anybody. We're looking at ourselves, you know. And right away, the focus shifts to – we don't lose at our building, so we're going back home. We're going to win the next game, and then we'll see what happens from there.
1: Pulling a Joe Namath there. We're just going to go win that next game, and uh, we'll go from there. So, And he wants Subon. to keep talking about Subon it. Subon done.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's got more to say. <laughs> Somebody asked the same question. He had to answer it.
1: Yeah. Uh, they should have heard him the first time because he said, we don't lose in our building. We're going to go back. We're going to win game three. They went down a goal, and then they lost their minds. And here's the thing. I don't want to belabor it. I still think Nashville wins this thing. Now mm-hmm. in six,
5: mm-hmm.
1: who knows? I mean, the Pens have got the experience. They've been there before. But Nashville, when they're playing at, 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 at top gear, they can't be beaten by the Pens. I don't think the Pens can muster enough offense. But here's my point. A lot of credit is being attributed to the Nashville fans and the the atmosphere in that arena when they came back there and if you watched did you watch it even on tv i
2: did i watched game three it was,
1: fever came I mean, to fever pitch and i was listening to columnists who travel across the the country and they're like never seen anything like it before there's a lesson in this for all of the sports leagues that are out there especially the ones that are trying to break through major league soccer they're going through expansion they've been expanding every couple of years dropping new teams in there. And where have these expansion franchises gone by and large? We added a New York team, right? We keep going back to these major markets. If you look at the MLS, for the most part, it's the same cities that already have Major League Baseball, NBA, and in some cases, and the NFL. If you're trying as a a periphery sport to get a foothold, why are you gonna put a second team in New York and compete with Two NFL franchises, two doggone um, NBA franchises. You're competing with two MLB franchises and two hockey and two hockey teams. So we need two
2: MLS teams in in New York, really? Yeah. To your point, like look at the ACC tournament up in New York. Nobody cared up there. No, like, I mean nobody cares. There's there's too many things Greensboro going on. Nobody cares.
1: So explain to me, Major League Soccer, and this is a this is a, kind of my sweet spot. Major League Soccer keeps expanding, and they keep making these announcements, and they're going to these markets that are already dominated by a particular team. Nashville's only split in two ways, and there's sports that don't compete with one another. Mm-hmm. Football and
3: hockey. And now. you can't have a Super Bowl in Nashville. Well, there's not a hasn't been a Super Bowl in Nashville.
1: Should be. That'd be a lot of fun. That would be. be. I'll there be there. Dolphins. I'll be there. But But here's the thing is, why is there not an MLS franchise in San Antonio? Why is there not one in El Paso? Why is nobody looking at Oklahoma City? These markets are big enough to support. You look at Raleigh. Raleigh's the only game in town is the doggone hurricanes. Why did we keep repeating ourselves and doing the same dumb things instead of maximizing and going into these secondary markets where soccer or hockey would be the premium product there?
3: And the Raleigh team that is a step below the MLS, they are actually fighting to become an MLS team, that and the Indianapolis one. I mean, there they is are. a team now to be, in Toronto. To be, I, don't,
1: I don't even know if people realize. It used to be the uh, Carolina Railhawks. No, they're the Cur- uh, is it the Courage? No, Pride? Carolina FC. Oh, okay. They took hey, and he's, jacked from the Well, in the Hurricanes,
2: like I remember when they, on their Stanley Cup, Win run, I went to game seven when Buffalo was in town. It, was it looked it... just like that and that's the thing. Is just that like you
1: galvanize a community, and it's a, it's a two two-tiered thing here. First of all, you know, be the only game in town, two, be good at it, because the hurricane circa you know seven or eight, ten years ago is a different animal from what it is today, but the ownership screwed it up.
2: yeah and I'll say one thing, you were talking about what Cleveland can do. Yeah. If I was Ty Lue, I'd have if watching them tape, I'd have them watch tape of this Game 3 right here because not only did they beat them skill-wise, but they out-toughed them. Look at Suvan roll up on Sidney Crosby after Afterwards, the game was over, yep. Bumps them. I'd have every single one of those Cavaliers and it was watch that them, tape.
3: Get off the ice. That's, That's what right. he was saying to them. But two <laughs> things. When they moved to Nashville, the owner... Was so smart. They had people in the stands explaining the game so these fans can buy in. Tell anybody in Nashville that the NHL is the fourth most most popular sport. I, I got you, and I spend you know, a lot of time in, in Nashville. Outside. It's one of my favorite
1: cities. And again, you know, NHL, NFL, they don't compete with each other on the calendar, and you've got you know millions of people in that metro area. That's where these sports, the MLS and the NHL in particular, need to take a look. We'll be back on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on the WBLZ Sports
2: Network. Man, I want some catfish.
0: You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show.
7: My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
8: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of.
9: At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
10: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
9: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
0: Now, From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins.
1: Welcome back. Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, joined in studio with one of the best golfers I know.
12: Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh.
1: My color host for Southern Leaf football
12: and all-around good guy, David Kaplan. What's going on, Dave? You need to introduce yourself to some golfers. <laughs> Because the bar set pretty low.
2: For no, me. hold on. Come on. I just played in a pro M, and the whole time we were playing all 18, I was like, I wish David Kaplan was our pro right now.
1: You know what your pro was thinking? I wish David Kaplan was our amateur. <laughs>
2: yeah, no do doubt. <laughs> no doubt. He can't be both, though. <laughs> yeah.
12: Welcome, welcome,
1: welcome. Mikasa Sukasa.
12: Yeah, this is nice.
1: Good man. I'm, I'm glad you're digging it. We um. We talked about having you on from week one, and here we are three or four months later, and I'm glad you've finally carved out time in your your busy schedule.
12: I was waiting for the worldwide coverage. Yeah. Well, hey. Because you're there now, right? We're there.
2: Congratulations. You won our first choice. We uh, invited Tiger, and he was busy with some things, so you're our second choice. But that's good company.
12: Yeah. It is
1: good company. And yeah. I think uh, I think Diamond, uh, or uh, Big Don Clayton was supposed to have been in here a couple of weeks ago. He got sick or something. I don't know what's going on. But, it's
12: allergies probably.
1: But welcome and, and I'm
12: conscious, so that helps too. It is.
1: And, and yeah. you're one of the busiest guys I know. Are you, uh, you excited about football season?
12: Yeah, we've got some time, right? Can we, Let's enjoy the summer before we get into uh, Cavalier football.
1: Talking about enjoying the summer, in case you didn't know, and I don't think he does know. I don't know if you've talked to him because he wasn't there where he was supposed to be this weekend. This past weekend, from the cheap seats, hosted our very first formal event. For those of you that weren't there, um, we hosted the 2017 Brick City Dodgeball Classic. Mm -hmm. We had 13 teams, 17 in total, 13 that played for the championship, but we played a double elimination dodgeball tournament at the Bobby Hale Center in downtown Sanford. And, frankly, I can't remember the last time I had that much fun with my clothes on. Mm. Yeah. It was a good time. Mm. and and Kind of ruined the memory. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> big, oh, big ups to Buffalo Wild Wings, by the way. Yeah, this segment sponsored by Buffalo Wild
1: Wings. Um, they brought out the food. That was one of the highlights of the day. They fed all the players. Everybody had a great time with it. Uh, thanks again to Thrivent Financial, who stepped up and was a part of that. Uh, Atkins Commercial Advisors. And... WDCC the beat 90.5 in uh, Central Carolina sponsored that and it was something we kind of did and thought well we'll do this once drive on we didn't realize how much fun people were gonna have and uh, you know I had people ask me well we should do this every weekend I don't know about every weekend
12: but we are gonna do any 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 injuries no Nestle no, except
2: that we'll That's Dave Nestor got destroyed. David Nestor might not know where he is right now.
1: Dave no. Nestor, yeah, he, he gave it all. He left it out on the floor. Um, <laughs> I, it was a great time. We had a blast, and we're going to do it again in October, and I think we're going to get into an October-April run. So check out out on uh, Facebook at From the Cheap Seats. There'll be an event coming shortly, and uh, we'll get Dave Kaplan and Farm Bureau involved this time around. But we had a great time. Did, it was did fun.
12: you find me a team to sponsor? Uh No, we
1: didn't. No. High school kids, man. We were we were working. We got commitments from all these high school kids, and you know how kids are. Yeah. So they didn't have any skin in the game, and they were like, yeah, I got some skirt to chase or whatever the case might who, be. Who won that, by the way? Yeah, who did win? Oh, you didn't bring your trophy. Uh-uh. I was going to bring mine. I was like, you surely won? Brandon's going to have it in two. Yep. Ray's construction. Brandon Atkins, Chris DeLambert, Drew Ray, and Drew's young, athletic, very capable, highly skilled – Nephew I, and his friends. I was the These kids were out they were out of control. I was the man. Kyle
2: Corver of this
1: championship <laughs> team. <laughs> I was the um uh, I was the James Jones. Mm. You know, I was living on my past laurels, but didn't make an appearance. No, we uh we went out there and went undefeated through the whole thing, the double nice. elimination, and uh plowed through. But man, there were some people that showed up that showed some amazing athletic ability. I didn't know they had hide in there. David Morse being one of them. David Morse played for uh, the Jonesboro Rotary team. He was on fire. Hmm. Um, Ken Britton and his squad came out there, and they were great. They team libations. It was really, really a lot of fun, and we're going to do it a couple times a year. Be looking forward in October, again, from the cheap seats on Facebook. The event will be out there shortly. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we hope to do that again and, and add some other things. We were throwing some ideas around, but we've got some ideas to, to take this one to the next level. Uh, if you're in or around Central Carolina, you got to come out for it. It was good times. We'll and we raised about a thousand bucks for Alzheimer's research, which what was what the, the point awesome. of the whole oh, yeah. thing was. But I don't think anybody left out of there, you know, grumbling about the fifty dollars they paid to play. It was just about, you know, having a good time and it really, really was fun, thanks to everybody that was involved, all the teams that came out and everybody. Well,
2: you just know, go. I brought up Tiger earlier. I'm interested to see what the best golfer in Sanford, North Carolina has you know, his thoughts on the whole Tiger situation.
12: Oh, you, you're talking to me. I'm talking oh, to okay. David Kaplan.
2: So you know, uh, you know the whole story. So just give us your thoughts about that.
12: Yeah, uh, certainly. You know, he. Uh, it, it's obviously been uh, since the day that his wife threw the club into the back of the Escalade and all that, and we've gone from there. But, you yeah. know, I think it even started before that. I think when you look at people at, that perform on such a high level, uh, they have um, – Determination, They have uh, um, discipline for them. And, and some of it borderlines on addiction on, on a different level. If, if it's your trade, if it's your profession, you just totally involve yourself in it. And Tiger, if you go back, and I've read some books about him, uh, one of them being The Big Miss by uh, Hank Haney, and he, he started getting into this Navy SEAL and Army Ranger training, mm-hmm. and it physically took a toll on him. And so if you look at um, uh, his body, and and I think that goes into pain medications. I mean, he won a U.S. Open with a broken knee. Mm-hmm. That was a direct result of some one of these training missions he went in. So he has to continually challenge himself. I think he just challenged himself in ways that golf wasn't number one anymore. And I think that's really the leading cause of it, and obviously, um, you know, he's got some issues now for back surgeries probably stems a lot from the golf swing but also from that knee injury and um, I don't know if he'll ever recover I don't think we'll ever see him on a competitive basis what's
1: your what's your gut tell you because at this point I don't think he'll play competitively anymore because I don't feel like if he can't I I don't if he can't compete at the highest level to satisfy himself right it certainly is not going to be money, money motivated do you expect to see him play again
12: I, you know, I don't know. I think it'd be a wonderful story if he could just get one more major, mm-hmm. you know, get at that level one more time. And, you know, if he truly is challenged by what seems to be the impossible, himself becoming a Navy SEAL or an Army Ranger or whatever that is, because at one point, let's get this straight, I mean, golf maybe wasn't a huge challenge to him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think he probably lost – some of his discipline and practice during that time frame. Uh, but he was still winning, you know. And yeah. so um, I, if he can rephrase his mind, and then his body's got to hold up. That's the big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if his body can hold up. But if, if he can get his body in a position to where he can challenge his mind to say, hey, I want to be the best golfer in the world again, and I want to win another major, then he would probably dive into it Full force, hundred percent.
2: Don't you think this last thing that happened with the painkillers or whatever he was taking mm-hmm. could, has him? Some people were actually going to start pulling for him, rather than as many people maybe. You know, when he, I guess, cheated on his wife in the golf club and the Escalade yeah. thing, whatever. A lot of people were like pulling against him, or he was some type of villain. Villain. He seems well, to be a victim here a little bit. Yeah, I think that goes back
12: all the way to the beginning of Tiger Woods being introduced into golf. Uh, Your true golf professional, the majority of them didn't like him. Mm -hmm. And I think he was different. I mean, I'll just call a spade a spade. I think he was different. He wasn't the country club. He wasn't the individual that uh, they were used to becoming (laughs) the best golfer out there. So Tiger was was different. Now, in the same token, you had a whole other crowd that did love him and so I, I think he's always had people that rooted against him and yeah this might make him more human more humble and and people who tra- i know for example i always kind of liked him because he moved the needle mm-hmm. yeah you know, and, and when he was on it was awesome
1: well even even now if i don't watch golf anymore really honestly not with anything right. other than sort of a, you know, from an analytical perspective. There's nothing exciting right. about the game that's out there. Tiger was good for the game. He, I mean, he brought it to the masses, right. and he was. It wasn't just that though. He was so exciting, and did things nobody had ever seen on the golf course before. In your mind, is he the greatest golfer of all time?
12: He's the greatest golfer I've ever seen. Um, you know, I, I if you you got if you want to measure something like that. Uh, not only the 18 majors that Jack won but all the seconds uh, and the length of career Uh, you know I I think if he would have gotten to that level on majors it would have been undoubtable because he intimidated the competition particularly nowadays is so even anybody can win any weekend when Jack teed it up there were probably guys at a capability like me that were in that field no chance Mm -hmm. you know but uh, I, I would tend to think 120 golfers every week, any of them can catch fire and win.
1: Well, I'd just – I'd take you – at this point in your life, I'd take you over, Jack.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I just – I mean, golf definitely needs Tiger. Mm-hmm. To, well, I – uh, not the way he used to be, but like your point, David, if he just came back and looked like he was threatening for one more major. Right. That would be huge to the sport. I mean, Duffner wins the Memorial – Hey, i love that guy though i know but the only reason like a casual fan would like like thought that was interesting because fowler was giving him a hard time at the end and it right. was that name recognition that got me interested but i mean right. you may know more about duffner than a lot I, of people that don't.
12: was that was a cool golf tournament uh if you were in the lead you were doomed and and so uh, you know duffner of course went 65 65 to open the tournament Oh, he's, you know, this isn't even a tournament, he's playing in a different field, shoot 77. Yep. You know, and, and, uh, and then Summerhays uh, had a three-shot lead and shoots 78 yesterday. So if you were in the lead, you were doomed. And, and so maybe uh, maybe Duffner was smarter than we think and tanked it on Saturday so he could come from behind. Probably. That's an interesting strategy. <laughs> I'm thinking of that. Well, Dave,
1: Probably you want not. to stick around and do another segment with us? Sure. All right, beautiful. Well, uh, dealer's choice, you got to figure out what we're going to talk about because we're kind of off the off the map here at this point. I don't know what we're doing. But um, if you're listening out there and you missed part of the show or you want to hear something from previous weeks, go to SoundCloud. Find us at From the Cheap Seats. Send us a note at cheapseatradio at gmail.com. That's cheapseatradio at gmail.com. We appreciate all the follows on Facebook. Find us at From the Cheap Seats. You can find me, Chris underscore Delambert, on Twitter and uh, I think that's about all of the different ways that you've got to get in touch with us but we appreciate you listening we're on the WBLZ Sports Network worldwide
0: don't go anywhere we'll be right back
4: you grew up knowing you could do anything as a soldier in the US Army you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible with guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong and then there's Army strong.
5: The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting edge research.
6: Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every
5: dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer,
7: please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting
9: champion.
8: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of.
9: At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
10: I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education.
9: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
0: Welcome back to From the Sheep's
1: All right, welcome back to the Cheap Seats. Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Dave Kaplan coming to you from Central North Carolina. Trent Nichols has moved out and taken over the controls. So if somebody's sounding like crap in here, it's all on Trent. <laughs> Look, I, he's getting a real delay pressure. or something. That took a second. All right, so we were talking about Tiger Woods. And, uh, you know, Tiger Woods kind of got bailed out this past week, didn't he? You know, oh, yeah. all eyes in America were on him and oh my god, how could you do this to us, Tiger? This fall from Grace, you know, continues. First it's the the wife smashing your windshield out and or your your back window out, and now it's the the painkillers and the in the arrest. And who came to his rescue, Brandon?
2: Tiger Tiger Woods, I don't He's know. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Kathy Griffin. She's, She's like, Yeah, Kathy I see Griffin. what you I see yeah. you,
1: Tiger. I'll raise you. Check out what I can do. And nice. Kathy Griffin uh, managed to derail her career with, uh, you know, one staged head.
12: Oh, she'll be back.
1: You think so? Oh, yeah. So yeah.
12: so overall,
1: in the grand scheme of things, because I see her crying on CNN and all the rest of that. In the grand scheme of things,
12: is this a career plus or minus for Kathy Griffin? Oh, gosh, you would hope a minus. but Some total. Well, of course yeah, you would. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's going to ultimately be a plus. I do, yeah. too. And I, I mean, think everybody know, she, forgot she, about
12: Kathy Griffin, and, and she's doing her thing.
2: Her she wasn't the, on my
12: radar. You know, I mean, I didn't, didn't pay attention to her much. Her or, and uh,
2: um, Rosie O'Donnell can do a, a sequel to Thelma and Louise or something like that right. together. Singing you just don't mess with Trump, son.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I forgot who I was
2: hanging out with this you morning. Don't mess, you don't mess with Trump. In my house, you can mess
1: with Trump a little bit. You're all right. <laughs> yeah. um, so... Falls from grace is sort of the theme here. You got right. Tiger Woods and his, you know, continual mm-hmm. um, descent. Kathy Griffin on there, but in sports, there's a litany of falls mm-hmm. from grace to choose from. Mm-hmm. And the question I have, and I want to pose it not just to you gentlemen and your expert expertise, I want to pose it to the listeners out there. I'm going to post this out on Facebook, and it'll be open-ended. We're not going to restrict it by putting a poll up. I want to hear from you guys. Who is the greatest sports fall from grace ever? When you talk in terms of legal, moral, ethical type situations, who's it going to be? Because there's no shortage of folks, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I think near the top of the list, I don't know, man, in a, in a, in a, I was going to say a death match, but that would be tasteless. Who <laughs> you got between OJ Simpson
2: and Aaron Hernandez? I got one. Who you got? Lance Armstrong. Oh, oh yeah. That's Lance has got to be at the top of the list. How did I yeah. not forget that? So how bad is his. Just think about this. Nike dropped Lance Armstrong from, you know, his mm-hmm. deal. Tiger Woods still has his with Nike, and Michael Vick is back on with the Shut up. Yes. That's nice. how bad his
1: fault. Michael was. Vick's got to be there, you know, killing dogs, yeah. man. That's on the list. So, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put together a little video montage and we'll talk about it. But we're going to take your votes out there, so go to Facebook. I want to hear, in order, number them, one, two, three, what are your greatest falls from grace? And we'll talk a little bit over the next seven or eight minutes and, and give you some ideas. But Michael Vick's a good one. Lance Armstrong's great. Tyson. Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. You know, rape. Yeah. Oh. Ray Lewis. Yeah, Ray Lewis. One. Ray yeah. Lewis. Did he murder somebody? Did he not? Oh, here's one for you, Mr. Carolina Panthers guy, Ray Caruth. Yeah, hiding in the trunk of the car after but he killed his girlfriend. Was a he ever girlfriend. that
2: high? Well, that's the yeah. that's
1: the judgment you have to make, man. Is is you know what's more important the depth that you fell to or the height that you started at? And when you combine those two together, you wind up with OJ Simpson. I'll right. tell you um, one,
2: one that hurts North Carolina Tar Heel fans is Marion Jones.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that hurt. Yeah. Me.
2: I mean, she lost, like she got everything stripped from her. Actually, she, she did, and, and it was
1: she was as bad as. I guess maybe she's only fortunate that she didn't have as big a stage as a guy like as somebody like uh, Roger Clemens. You know, Roger Clemens sitting and, you know, pounding the desk and Rafael Palmeiro speaking to Congress. You know, Marion Jones, all those years had been so militant. No, 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 no. While her husband gets busted for distribution and administration of steroids, and then it finally comes out years later that she's mm-hmm. there. Ben Johnson has to be in that,
12: in that
2: equation yes. if you're talking about PEDs. Um, what about... Probably the saddest one ever is Joe Paterno. Joe, oh, oh, yeah, oh my gosh, you're you're on fire! Like dude. I mean, well, yeah, I, for I got, real. I, I, I mean, know, it killed him. I know how to use the Googles. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, Joe Paterno literally died after all that. He was right. battling. Oh, I no, he killed him.
12: I there's I, there's no two ways about it. And it was he basically trying to protect somebody else.
2: Yeah, he just yeah. quit and. You know, you, I don't know. It's been taught to death, but I always kind of felt like just the look on his face. Maybe he actually was incapable of knowing what was going on. I know that's kind of hard to believe, but just the look on his face of just, I mean, that was like a dagger to his heart. You could tell. Len I mean, Bias. Lynn oh, bias. Oh, limb
12: Bias. Yeah. Damn.
2: A lot of younger guys listening to us might not know. Who's Limb Bias, Chris? Limb Bias was, it was Bad. Bad.
1: He, I mean, was. he was the, He was ahead of his time. When you think about it, at Maryland, he was coming out a, after having been a, a, a dominant force unlike we'd ever seen in college basketball. He was 6'10", could put the ball on the floor. Guys that were 6'10 back then in the 80s didn't put the ball on the floor. They played mm. with their back to the basket. He was the first... I mean, who would he was? Kevin Durant before there was a Kevin Durant. I think mean, about, is that the best kind of correlation between well, the two? Just think about and it. And he was, let's give the story for, for sure, younger folks that are out there. He was drafted by the Celtics, not one overall. Where was he at? Was it two or three? I don't remember, but it was high. It was a high. And thing. that night, or within a couple of days, oh, we go back to the Googles, went out and overdosed on cocaine and died and never suited up, never played, you know, a minute. And there are still people. That say had you added Lynn Bias, I mean, you're talking about Larry Bird, mm-hmm. you know, those Danny Ainge, Kevin McHale teams, you're talking about Lynn Bias being added to that.
12: Wow. Second
1: overall pick. He was pick. The second overall pick. Who was number one that year? God. I
2: guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
12: doesn't does matter? well, I'll tell but, you to But ke- there's
1: I mean, that's one of those things. And and the saddest, I can still remember his mother, you know, just being so distraught in interview after interview. And the, and you know, the stories were that they were drinking champagne. And I can still remember her saying, "My son ain't drink no Dom Perignon, and you know champagne and cocaine." And that was, you know, cocaine was like a real thing then,
2: right? Um, well, think about how different maybe Michael Jordan's legacy would have been. Because I remember those Maryland, Carolina, but back when Maryland yeah. was in ACC, <laughs> their matchups. So who was number one? Brad Darty. Nice. Oh wow. Okay. <clears throat> Clean living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean. Brad Doherty, who now does he still do NASCAR commentary? Oh yeah, he does. That's amazing. He
12: does. He's from the mountains in North Carolina. You got to be a NASCAR he fan. Did, Brad Doherty doing his thing.
2: Yeah. So yeah, everybody. You know how people feel robbed <clears> that they didn't get to see didn't get to see Tiger on this final stretch. That's how for you young folks, I felt when Limb Bias died. Right. I, I felt robbed of because I was I grew up a Celtics fan, and yep. I'm just like we're just reloading right now. And for him not to ever play, he he never did play for the No, Celtics. no, 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 no.
12: Tonight, never signed a contract.
1: So Except yeah, for them, right
12: right after draft. Yeah, back.
1: which is the real. I mean, the real sadness here is that I mean, you think in in terms of what the family missed out on too, because there was no contract, there was no insurance, there was nothing. Um, mm. just a horrible, horrible story. And when you look at the NBA from that era, I mean, there's plenty to choose from. You had John Drew. You had Spencer Hayward. You had all these guys. Cocaine was running rampant and it mm-hmm. destroyed lives. So when you start looking at Falls from Grace, David Thompson's maybe on that list um, with his battles with addiction. There's plenty, plenty to, cho- to uh, choose from, but we want the listeners out there to give their feedback. Go to Facebook, From the Cheap Seats, and uh, you'll see the post out there. We want you to comment on there. Tell us what you think and we'll compile what, the list.
12: What about some who fell? But then made it back. Well, because if you're talking about Tiger, that's what we're hoping for. That's mm-hmm. what we're pulling for.
1: It, and it is. I mean, and maybe you know
12: coming back doesn't
1: take away the fact that you fell from grace. I right. mean, Josh Hamilton is a guy that that yep. Trent and I have talked to talked about a lot. You know, the first player taken in the major league draft supposed to be the can't miss you know absolute stud guy and got so wrapped up in drugs he was homeless and comes back and plays at an MVP level when everybody thought he was done right and so, of course now is you know the, all that drug use and abuse and all that stuff he did to his body can probably be where you attribute all the injuries now to because he mm-hmm. he just tore his body up
2: well he didn't really fall fall but George Foreman would be one he kind of came back his biggest accomplishment for me is the George Foreman grill the, oh the grill <laughs>
1: oh that's a that's a rise right there
2: I mean Shut he's a billionaire style.
1: over that thing I mean
2: oh my god yeah. Did, just drain off the fat. I mean, it's kind of like the Atkins diet. Just eat meat. It seems so simple, but yet it works. I guess.
12: Drain the fat off.
2: That's right. Yeah. Trent,
12: you got any? You got any uh, input back there? Well, I, I was thinking of Kobe.
2: Mm-hmm.
12: Oh, remember that? Yeah, I forgot the incident in Colorado and all the rest. Right. Of the, oh, yeah. He kind of came yeah, back.
1: Yeah. yeah, he came back with a with a vengeance.
12: And Jordan had a whole other baseball career after the death of his dad. And I don't know if it's a fall from grace per se. But well, it depends on whose story you believe, right? You know, if he got yeah. popped for the gambling, and which brings in well, which Allegedly. brings in Pete Rose. Allegedly, the old Pete Rose. Pete Rose can't get into the grace, can't yeah. get into the Hall of
1: Fame. Maurice Claret. That's a yeah, good oh, one. that's a great. That's, one. One. that's a good yeah. one. Maurice Claret. Did he ever play? Yeah, he, he played a little bit. He played for the Broncos. We'll have to we'll have to look that up. Um, yeah, Claret, which is funny because he challenged the NFL's draft and all the rest of that, and and I actually sucked Mike Williams in there with it, but that's a story for another day. Um, yeah, what we want to do is hear from you guys. There's a there'll be a post up there on Facebook uh, asking for feedback about the greatest falls from grace in NBA or in uh, sports history. And we want your feedback. We'll put together a top ten list,
12: and we'll roll it out next week. What Does that about, sound like a good plan?
2: Yeah. What about NC State basketball? <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey, we got one more. What about
12: SMU? One more golf. Yeah. John, John Daly. Yeah. But, Excellent. But it's a perfect fall from Grace because he just kind of continues on, and everybody still roots for him. He won a senior tour event this year. No, he, he, he did He did. Yeah. He won an event. And when, I saw an interview
1: we, with him the other day. He looks –
12: Awful. <laughs> and, he looks like he's 94 years old, man. And he's wearing those loud pants, and it, uh, that just helps his look. The, the interview I was
1: watching, he was wearing a uh, he was wearing a uh, American flag blazer. You know, mm-hmm. he had the, the stars on one side and the, the red and white stripes on the other. He looked unbelievably bad.
2: Who would have ever thought that Tiger Woods would be out there and John Daly would point at him and go, "Dang!"
1: <laughs> right? That's a good point. So what? Uh, what PGA stops coming up this week?
12: I don't know. After the Memorial. Oh my gosh! We'll look it up. We got Google. Probably somewhere in Texas. We got All right, thirty seconds. We
1: got thirty seconds. Hey, check us out on Facebook at From the Cheap Seats. Send us a line at cheapseatradio at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter, at Chris underscore DeLambert. We'll see you next week.
0: You're listening to Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show.